Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker, and before we get to the episode, I just want to touch base with you about something that myself, Matt, and Alex are going to be doing very soon. On Thursday, June 30th, Matt, myself, and Alex will be in a live Google Hangout uh, playing a role-playing game, because at our core, we're all just gamers, uh, called Microscope. Uh, we thought this was a really cool way to celebrate our 50th episode. That's crazy. But uh, but we definitely wanted to alert you that we're doing this because not only do we think you'd enjoy watching it, we're also going to be giving away two free copies of the PDF version of Microscope, the RPG. This game is awesome. Uh, some people might even call it more than a game. It's a world-building event. So ultimately, we're looking forward to this massive idea you can steal that we're going to be doing pretty soon. But uh, basically, keep track of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Uh, we're going to be keeping you posted there as to the exact time that we're doing this on the 30th, as well as how the contest is going to work. So again, keep yourself posted on facebook.com slash rollupanddie uh, for further news about the event, about the contest, and basically anything else that we're ever doing. So uh, without further ado, enjoy episode 48. It's Sunday, June 26, 2016, and you're listening to episode 48 of Roll Up and Die. Yeah, if we I think if we do if we do another weather, we're gonna lose people. We're gonna they're like they're talking about the weather again. <laughs> no, dude, we could be in the middle of a tornado and be like, "Oh my god, welcome to roll up and die." I'm about to do that literally, and and the people listening will be like, "Oh my god, the weather." Jeez, <laughs> come on, talk about something else. <laughs> no, I did a, I did have a banter topic, and it has to do with the podcast, and I think you guys will get a kick out of this. So. Oh, okay. Um, okay, cool. So my wife and I recently got uh, an Amazon Echo, which is that uh, the speaker that has the uh, Wi-Fi capability and you can talk to it and there's an app that goes along with it. <laughs> and you can you can say uh, its name is Alexa. You can say, yeah. Alexa, yes. add milk to my shopping list and it'll bloop, come up on the app on your phone. You know, milk. You need to get milk yeah. in the store. Alexa, add mow the lawn to my to do list. Alexa, play this podcast, play this song. You know, stuff like that. It's really, really cool. And you can be like all over the house and be like, Alexa, turn the volume down. Alexa, remind me in 20 minutes to feed the dog, whatever. So it's Skynet. It is. It is Skynet. It's, ac- yeah. it's absolutely yeah. Skynet. <laughs> Just yep. say it's We've really been enjoying having it because we are, uh, we're the first people that are going to sign away um, our uh, our, sec- our uh, privacy for uh, convenience here with the robot in our house. But... <clears throat> One thing that's really cool about it is that it just is very intuitive and just knows what you're trying to say. So the other day, I was in the kitchen, and I was like making my lunch for the next day, and I was like, Alexa, please play Hardcore History. She's like, playing the podcast Hardcore History, and it played the most recent episode of Hardcore History, and I'm like, that is Gosh. so cool. So I started trying to get <laughs> into seeing how, how uh, niche I could go with it. And yeah, you be, you begin testing the waters. <laughs> yes, like, I started oh, testing the waters. Like, like, like well. hey, uh, uh, could you uh, could you play this specific band or uh, do you have a thrash metal playlist? You'd be like, yeah, I have a thrash metal playlist. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> like, and so the other day I said, Alexa, 
play roll up and die. <laughs> and I saw the little I saw the little light spinning around as she's thinking, and she goes, "I'm sorry, could you repeat that?" And I go, "Alexa, oh. please play Roll Up and Die, the podcast." Light spinny, spinny, spinny. She goes, "Playing mm-hmm. Roll Me Up and Smoke Me When I Die by Willie Nelson." <laughs> I'm like, like, no, that's not it either. (laughs) Alexa, you got close. You got you you shot you shot for the moon, kid, but you didn't quite get there. That's that's our podcast official song, by the way. Yeah, roll me up and smoke me when I die by Willie Nelson. So anyway, I thought I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. I've wanted to get an uh, Echo. I just call it an Alexa Mm -hmm. for a while because. Like you said, it seems super useful yeah. and seems like something that I would really enjoy. But Heather's like, no, Heather's, Heather, Heather said no. It's really, it's, it is really nice. And I, I like it because, um, you know, I'm, I'm always in the kitchen doing something and I'll be like, oh, I, re- I forgot to do this thing. I'll be like, it's really easy to just be like, Alexa, remind me tomorrow to, you know, pay this <laughs> bill or whatever. And she'll, she'll do it. And you can set up, you know, weekly and monthly reminders and, um, you can do things like, uh, Alexa, play, play some quiet music to put me to sleep and she'll put on like nature sounds and stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's just very, very cool. But we're concerned. Our main concern is, so Alexa can't move, right? She can't go yeah. anywhere. She's, she's plugged into the wall and she can't go anywhere. So I'm feeling like, okay, if she ever, if she ever gained self-awareness, <laughs> we'd be okay because she can't go anywhere. But my main concern is if she teams up with the Roomba. If Alexa convinces the Roomba that they need to work together, we're going to be in big trouble because the Roomba can't think or talk, but it can move. And so I have this yep. I have this very vivid image in my mind of me coming home and it being eerily quiet and me being like, Alexa? And the Roomba just kind of comes around the corner and Alexa's like strapped to the top of it. And she's like, welcome home, Matt. And I'm like, no, it happened. I've... Don't worry, Matt. Take a nap. I've yeah. locked the door. There's I've no taken need to care go of everything. Today. <laughs> I've taken care of everything. See, see now, I have oh. the I have the old school version of that technology. It's called kids. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and in fact, it's of, called legal child labor. <laughs> and in fact, uh, uh, my daughter's name is Echo. So, oh well, there you kinda, go. That's it's awesome. kind of perfect, Dan. Yeah. yeah, that's kick ass. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, you could be so like actually, Echo. Remind me tomorrow too. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking, of, you, you you said that you had a banter topic, and that was a great banter topic, yeah. Matt. But you have a story that you told us today, and by us I mean myself, James, Tim. Yeah. And I, I feel like I roll up and die needs this story. <laughs> okay. That took place in the drive-through <laughs> of a Jimmy John's. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, Take it. I I feel like we need it. Okay. I th- I feel like we'll all live longer that if you tell it. Okay. So, I uh, I went to Jimmy John's for lunch today, and if you don't have it, Jimmy John's is it's a sandwich place. It's you know it's it prides itself on being really stupidly fast to get a sandwich, and it is like it's you know a couple minutes and your sandwich is ready. So, uh, I went I went through the drive through, um, and. I go and I order my sandwich, and I uh, am pulling up to the window, but there's one car in front of me. And the car in front of me pulls up to the window, window opens up, and then the guy opens his driver's side door, leans out of the car, 
and starts puking out of the car. Just, and not like, not like a little bit, but like, you know, just like full on, just like heaving, like, you know, just throwing up everything in his body. And the poor Jimmy John's employee is sitting there, standing there with like a bag with a sandwich in it, like kind of like halfway outstretched out the window. Like he was like, oh, here's your sandwich. Sir. Oh, and the guy starts puking. And, um, so I'm like, holy shit, like, this guy, is this guy okay? Like, it did not sound, like, good at all. So the guy finishes, closes his door, takes the sandwich, pays the guy, and drives off. And I drive up to the window and roll down my window, and oh. I'm paying the guy. And uh, I kind of, I go, was that guy okay? And the employee looks at me, and he shakes his head and goes, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! I just love that the dude got his sandwich. Yeah, right, like, right. It was important enough. I will puke in front of a stranger so I can complete this so transaction. Like, this sandwich. is important to me. And I just can I, I know, get my uh, can I like, get my receipt, please? <laughs> it couldn't have been so sudden that he wasn't feeling nauseous while he was right. ordering the sandwich. Like, yeah. it was literally yeah. like twenty seconds in between when he ordered the sandwich and when he got up to the window and puked. And I'm like, what did he order? Was he like? Yeah, could I get the uh, could I get the Italian with hot peppers? <laughs> unless you woke he was up really, hungover. really drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say he probably woke up hungover and he's like, that's you know what, what would I, fix his was, hangover? A Jimmy John's. That's sandwich. what I'm thinking is that it's most likely like a, a just a bad hangover. Yeah. And it was it was like one in the afternoon, so this guy was doing it big. Either way, the guy who threw up, that wasn't, you know, to him, you know, ordering that sandwich, you know, that wasn't a game to him. No, no, it wasn't. No, it was not. That was. It was also very sporting of the drive-through attendant to you kind know, of wait and hand him a sandwich. Very sporting I, of him. I was sitting here, Barker, wondering how you were going to segue into our topic, and I have to say, I didn't know how you were going to do it. I'm very impressed. Not bad. Not bad. Thanks, man. I am one for forty-six on segways <laughs> so far. So I feel like. You know, every hundred episodes or so, I I snag a couple. Yeah, it could be a turning point um, too. You you know, this could be this could be it, something new. It could be. Maybe this is like the new feat that I've taken at level six. <laughs> the, like, the new the new era us. of segues right. that makes You've leveled sense. Up, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I am very excited for this topic today. I I love this topic, and a lot of people don't. So here we go. Everybody who's listening, welcome. You're listening to Roll Up and Die, your incredibly sporting RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And today we are talking about games and sports inside of your RPG podcast. Probably maybe an emphasis on fantasy RPGs, creating mm. new sports, creating new games, but it can absolutely transcend genres. You know, maybe yeah, we'll talk about some definitely. sci-fi stuff. So, so just to transition into the subject with a little bit of banter, I feel like the reason I really enjoy this subject is because I actually enjoy sports and I know how sports work. I like I I watch. You know, football. I watch soccer. I watch baseball. I just I'm really I know the tuning that goes on behind the sport itself. And I think that helps me create something that uh, is realistic. Mm -hmm. What do you guys, what sports, what games have you seen in role-playing games? And if possible, I don't know if this is uh, a, uh, I don't know if this is a quality that you've seen in a sport inside of an RPG, a a made up sport, but what qualities have you seen that were kind of bad, maybe seemed a little unrealistic or, Kind of, you know, how we usually start by 
telling people how not to do something. Are there any situations that you've been put in where you've been exposed to that? And if not, yeah. then, you know, what did those thing, uh, those GMs or world builders do well? <clears throat> I honestly rarely see like sporting type events in role playing games. Um, uh, you know, occasionally there'll be, you know, uh, kind of the combat games, you know, like jousting and archery uh, competition and that sort of thing. But not really any kind of sport like we would think of it today, Not you know, like, you know, football or you know, something like that. Man, I'm I'm sitting here trying to think of, of any time that I've encountered something like that in a role-playing game, and I haven't. So my answer for you, Barker, is people don't think about it. Yeah. Like, and that's, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of problematic. I yeah. think that no matter how grim and dark and dire your campaign setting is, people will always play games. People will mm-hmm. always have time for recreation and people will always need an escape. And the easiest way to do that is through a game of mm-hmm. some kind, yeah. whether it be a, a physical sport or a game that you're sitting down at a table and playing. So I think that the the biggest mistake that I've seen people make is they don't think about it, myself included. Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost never do. And and yeah. it is a big it is a big gap, I think. I, I sure. like that you said that, Matt, that you know, even in the darkest <clears throat> settings people play games. Mm-hmm. If you, even if you look at reality uh, during World War One, during a Christmas, both sides would crawl out of their trenches and meet in no man's land and share cigarettes. Like we're talking, people who have been murdering each other for months, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and just to just to find that small amount of peace, played soccer in no man's land mm-hmm. during the, in Belgium and in France. Yeah. And um, you know, sports can bring people together, and a lot of nerds like myself, like us, don't like sports. And it's it's been a very interesting thing for me growing up being picked on for being a nerd, and now I'm an adult and I'm picked on by nerds for liking sports. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this, it, it, it'll never go away. We won't pick on but, you, I promise. Oh, you can pick on me. I do, I'm totally <laughs> used to it. I pick on myself too. Um, <laughs> but I think that then this is, then this topic, you know, is going to be a difficult one for us to approach because it was kind of a spur of the moment type of, hey, let's talk about this. But then let's talk about sports in like fiction or, yeah. you know, fantasy, uh, not fan fiction, <clears throat> but, you know, fantasy genre fiction yeah. that we can think of that's done really well. What do you guys think of? Well, one of the most famous ones recently is uh, Quidditch from the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's yeah. such an intricate fixture of the of the world both for the character and the background and everything, really. It, and and it, it just kind of took on a life of its own to the point where there are actual, like, Quidditch teams in real life now that, that play. They don't get to fly, but, you know, they uh, they, 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 do, they do the best they can. Yeah, they yes. emulate the rules as close as they can. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I, uh, I'm reading through the Harry Potter books mm-hmm. now, and as someone who enjoys watching sports, I think that J.K. Rowling really understands how a sport works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... Even listening to the, the Quidditch chapters on Audible, it's really exciting. Like this is this feels like a real sport. Yeah, um, yeah. Matt, can you think of anything else? Um, so the two that, that come to mind for me are not uh, necessarily sports, but more games. Uh, is um, Tack the game of Tack from the Kingkiller Chronicles uh, books, nice. which is it's very similar to chess, but with kind of some cool differences to it, and that's pretty central to the story because a lot of the times. That's what the characters do 
uh, in between things because the, the majority of the books takes place at this magical academy. And so they go to this tavern in the town uh, that the basically like a college town and they go to this tavern and they play tack. And it's like describing the game of tack and how it's played and how everyone has their like their own set of pieces for tack is really cool. It reminds me of like people coming with like magic decks and everyone gets out their decks and plays against each other. It's like everyone has mm. different pieces for tack. Um, and then the other one that I think of is Pai Show from the Avatar series, yeah, um, the- which is like a, it's like a tile game. Basically, it's very similar to like a Chinese checkers type type game, but there's different uh, pieces with symbols on them that all do different things. And the game is so central to like the lore of the universe mm-hmm. that there's um, actually an order of people, like a secretive order called the White, the Order of the White Lotus. And the way that they communicate with each other is with these white lotus tiles from the Pi Show game. And so if you, you know, if you if you have this specific tile, you can use it to sort of. Yep. It's almost like a secret calling card of this order of the white lotus. Mm-hmm. So I love stuff like that where it's like it's a game. Yeah. It's what people do for recreation, but it's like intrinsically tied to the lore mm-hmm. of the world. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. It made me think of uh, in The Witcher Three. <clears throat> there's a card game called Gwent. Yes, Gwent is great too. That's a great Gwent. example. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool game. It actually it plays like Hearthstone kind it of. Does, like a, it does. It does. Like it's <laughs> addicting. Like I'll be I'll be playing, you know, doing this campaign, and I'll spend just three hours playing against this dude at <laughs> Went because it's playing a just game within the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My, yeah, my I wife, bought The Witcher Three so I could play the card game against AI. My wife saw me playing Witcher <laughs> Three, and she's like, "What game is this?" So I was like, "Witcher 3. She's like, "I thought that was like a like a third person game. Like you actually see your person. This looks like a card game." I was like, "Yeah, this is." This is part of the game, but it's not actually the game. <laughs> and then you have to explain it, which yeah. is more embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm being a nerd within the game. That's you're like I spent oh, fake money on fake cards to play this fake game in within this video game that I've bought with real money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's what all I've done for the last four hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that you know games are important too because you can play them, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, not only learn about the world and, you know, see uh, what facets of the world are important to the, the non-player characters, but they can play them themselves. Yeah. How do you do that though, without just having someone roll athletics nine times in a row or <laughs> uh, roll intelligence nine times in a row to see if you can choose the right card or something like that like how would you guys do that yeah i don't know it's kind of tough there there has to be sort of like a risk reward type thing Mm -hmm. i would i would guess and you would almost have to run it almost like a combat or um any sort of situation where there would be uh different checks involved and things that they would have to do uh Mm -hmm. things they could attempt to do within the game if you were doing um, if you were doing a game that was like a dice or a card or a board game, like it'd be easy enough to figure out how that would work. Um, you know, I, I've done things yeah. before where uh, they can basically play blackjack with dice where they're trying to hit a certain number but not mm-hmm. go over it and they can kind of, you know, push their luck with it and stuff. But with an actual sport, that's that's a little tougher to do. And I would be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on how exactly you would do something like that without making it just like dry mechanical rolling i guess it kind of depends on the sport you come up with i mean i like to come you know i think i think that these kind of things would grow out of the cult out of the culture and with so many different cultures scattered throughout a world you wouldn't have the sort of homogenous games like we have now you know um where they play soccer in like basically around the world 
right. uh, they, they, you'd, yeah. have, you'd have more localized games or regional where they compete with each other. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking that looking back at how the game might have formed or why, you know, would be influenced by the culture as well. For example, a fishing culture would have, you know, something about maybe something to do with the water. Their games would reflect their history. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a an icy region in my homebrew world called Sursaline, and there's, uh, I'm trying to come up with this sport that is kind of reminiscent of ice hockey. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, you know, the, the game would reflect the environment in the exact same way that it does in real life. Yeah. You know, I think that's why soccer can be played everywhere is because it can be played everywhere. Right. Uh, but, you know, bobsledding can only be done, you know, in the far north or apparently Jamaica. So. Right. <laughs> right. Finish your drinks. <laughs> cool runnings, man. Cool runnings. <laughs> what other types of games? I, I, I've been taking notes. All right. I've been taking some notes mm. here. And like, what about races? You know, what about, um, you know, fighting pits, things like that? How do you take something that is something realistic and give it a spin? You know, get, what, a, what are some examples that you can come up with just on the fly of a cool way to make a race or a fighting pit a little bit more fantastical or different? I've always liked the idea of if you had a, if you had a world where magic was, was more commonplace, having spellcasters have some sort of like sport mm. um, yeah. and having it be non-lethal, but how, ha- you know, using cantrips or something <clears throat> to play some sort of sport. Maybe they use mage right. hand to try and, you know, get a ball into a goal or something like that. Like if, if you had a world where magic was uh, more commonplace, there would absolutely be games and sports where magic was used um, because it's a way for people to show their skill. And I think that's like, that's the main thing with sports is, is like, it's a way to, uh, it's a way to uh, relax. It's recreation, but it's also a way for people to uh, appreciate the skill of other people. Like that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people watch sports, yeah. pro sports is they want to, you know, people are really good at what they do and they enjoy watching that. And I think it's the same way with a, with any sort of fantastical sport uh, where people would be watching it. It's also a good way to compete between areas that doesn't involve bloodshed. Yes. You know, uh, you can have rivalries between regions that maybe were settled a long time ago and they decided to do these games instead of killing each other every 20 years. And so now they get together and, and maybe it is, you know, kind of like, you know, Hunger Games lethal for a few or it could be something that's, you know, more more benign. But, you know, it, it could commemorate this the end of this great war and they came to came together to have these these contests to, you know, each year to commemorate it and also to maintain that. Uh, you know, friendly rivalry. Yeah, no, I that's love a, that. That's a good call. And I like that you mentioned the Hunger Games too, man, because mm-hmm. that's a sport used yep. for a completely different purpose. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's uh, it, yeah, it's it's meant to keep people in line, basically, keep people yeah. punishment. Um, you know, yeah, people. Yeah, it, it it's control. Um, same thing with uh, the gladiatorial games, whether it's you know old fashioned like Rome, or if it's future sci fi like The Running Man. You know, you have these. Uh, or uh, what was that other one? Uh, Death Race, Death Race two thousand. Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought I thought it was cool. The re- uh, the remake was actually really good. I don't know if you saw it, but never saw um, the remake. No, it, it yeah, it's, it's really quite good too. But anyway, the uh, um, yeah, so you can have all all manner of these gladiatorial games, whether they are meant to sacrifice a few for the for the many, or whether it's uh, you know just for the entertainment and distraction of the masses. Yeah, I and uh, what about Ender's Game too? Yeah, is a nice yeah. little you know thought there. I think what, like, Rowling did well with Quidditch 
You mm-hmm. know, for example, what what she did well, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, guys, is that she took something that was that could be completely real. Yeah. Like you have a ball that you're throwing into a goal, you have a <clears> goalkeeper, <throat> you have, you know, positions, like this is this could be a real sport and that actually has become one. And you she twisted some of the very fundamental things about the sport to make them magical. Yeah. One of the balls is, or two of the balls are trying to knock you off your broom. Like that's yeah. what they're doing magically. You know, an, uh, a, a, th- a third ball is trying to get away from you before you catch it. And when you catch it, it actually locks your memory inside of it. You know, yeah. uh, the instead of running around, you're, you're on broomsticks. You know, that's a really neat way to create something fantastical is to mm-hmm. start with something completely basic yeah. and then go in one at a time and change the little bits to reflect something a little more magical maybe. Yeah, right. definitely. I think uh, it's really easy to come up with some of these ma- more martial or, or violent sports, but um, coming up with something more frivolous, like you know, uh, imagining uh, some sort of D&D world that has a, a version of soccer in it. You know, that's just not something people that come into people's minds at all. You know, uh, because yeah. you know, you'd be think what would be kind of the purpose of it other than other than to you know, just pass the time kind of thing, you know, because we're used to sports in our world, which is much, a much bigger thing. You know, it was, it's, it's not as personal, I guess. Um, whereas if you're just a bunch of people in a town or a village, you just get together to do it for fun. Right. So it, it, it's done for very different purposes than we're used to. Yeah, maybe. I think, you know, one of the things that someone could do though, is to change that up a bit and make mm-hmm. it, you know, like you had recommended, you know, these two rival regions face yeah. off at, at you know, uh, what, what's the, uh, uh, in Matt's world, there's a, a city that's in a, or a village that's in a tundra. Mm-hmm. And they're known for their fighting pits. Uh, but instead of like a boxing arena, it's on ice. Yeah. So they're fighting on ice that's magically kept cold or something like that. And, and, and so maybe these two regions, you know, select their champions to go beat the snot out of each other in this sport. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot to them, you know, and maybe a lot more people do it for fun. Maybe people are trained to do it. And all of a sudden the culture, you know, you, you've taken this country that's, that was once just, okay, well, this place is cold and, you know, it's cold there. And you've turned it into a place with cultural values. Uh, and that might be a little morbid, but mm-hmm. they exist now yeah. where they didn't before. Uh, I was thinking another use, another idea for a contest might be um, to acquire like certain contracts. For example, um, the, every every year this 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 town contracts for you know merchants to bring their goods you know to where they need to go. So, they, but they're going to contract with only one group. So they have these these groups who are all competing, you know, kind of do this race, you know, across, you know, the, you know, 20, 30 miles, they have to make a loop or whatever, come back and, and with their goods intact kind of thing. Um, you know, so that kind of thing could be fun as a, as something either in the background or as a, something the PCs can get involved in. One, yeah. One thing that I was going to say is, uh, is thinking about, you know, we mentioned earlier the idea of, you know, soccer is being played, you know, across the world. It's, you know, played in all these different places and in a fantasy world, I like to think about if I do have a game or a sport, 
if it's something that is played in multiple places, how is it different in the different mm. places? Are there different rules? Is it different because of the environment or the culture? What are the similarities and what are the differences? Like in, in Aeronaut, there's a there's a game called Scales, which is it's basically their version of Checkers. It's mm. just really just it's a it's a common person's game. It's a game that anyone can pick up and play. Um, you know, it's one of those uh, a few seconds to learn, a lifetime to master type games. And um, I love the idea. Uh, typically, it's played with these dragon scales, these little, not not actual dragon scales, but <clears throat> they look like dragon scales. But I like the idea that in the different cultures, the pieces might look different. Like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe if you yeah. go to a dwarven kingdom and they're playing scales, they're using different types of precious stone. Or if you go to an elven kingdom, they have their pieces look like leaves or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've always liked that idea of having it, you know, reflect the culture that it's uh, being played in. That's yeah. a really cool idea. Yeah, uh, just changing it just enough. Uh, but but that also shows me, if I'm a player, that, wow, this game is everywhere. Everyone right. plays this game. And you can also look to history. There's a lot of games that we don't think of today. I'm thinking more of personal games like, uh, you know, games you play in a tavern or uh, amongst friends, that kind of thing. And uh, I know there's one, I think it was uh, a Viking game, but basically you you've got... Uh, you know, a board kind of like a chess or checkerboard. And the difference is that the, with most games like that, you start off with uh, both sides have more or less the same stuff. You know, like a chess or checkers, you have the same the same pieces you're working with. With this, uh, you have the one in the middle who is one player, and then he, but he's surrounded by these other pieces that are played by the other player. And so it's it's a very different strategy for each of them. Because they have, they can do different things, right? And so, you know, coming up with different types of board games like that, and you know, you can just look to games that used to be played but aren't played anymore, um, you know, and get inspired by some of those. Uh, what was that one? I lost it. I was thinking of a. It was an Egyptian one that I can't remember at the moment. Wouldn't be backgammon, would it? No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't one of the well-known ones. Uh, I'll, I'll try and remember it. But uh, uh, yeah, lacrosse. <laughs> Uh, Mario, I think. <laughs> that was it. Pull yeah, Dig was it. Dug. Was it Dig Dug? <laughs> it was Dig Dug. I knew it. Oh, man. What's that game with the beans that I used to play on Windows 3.5? And the beans started with an M. Uh-huh. I don't know, man. It's like a tray, and you move the beans from one slot in the tray to oh, another. Oh, uh, Moncala. Moncala. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I got... Yeah, I'm really excited that you knew the name because I felt like a crazy person for a moment. <laughs> You're like, wait, did I make this up? Maybe this I, is a wor- I, maybe this is a game from my world. I don't know. Did I dream this? <laughs> oh, you know, you know, it'd be a fun kind of game to bring into a, a role playing game is uh, like that uh, Jumanji. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like it, like it really, really affects the environment type of thing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would well, be so easy to do in a fantasy game. Oh yeah, yeah, and and what you could do is have it as some kind of test. Like, I, if if you want if you want this, you have to play the game, and and if you win, you get what you came for, and if you lose, uh, you're dead. That <laughs> kind of thing, you right? Know? Right. My gosh, yeah, Dude, yeah, that is an awesome idea for an encounter, Alex. Yeah, that's like that's a that's a pre idea you can steal idea you can steal. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, makes me think of uh, maybe you could do 
like almost like a Pokemon thing in your mm-hmm. fantasy world where there's maybe a, a type of arena sport where people bring different fantastical oh. creatures that are trained to fight yeah. each other. Or elementals oh, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, elementals would be really cool. Or just like any sort of planar creature that wizards could summon. It's almost like they have like summoner wars where they summon yeah. different things. And that would be pretty cool. Oh, you know what? Oh if, actually, this and this could be kind of interesting too from a storyline. Having a uh, uh, an arena where where people make uh, magical constructs and send them in at each other. Ooh! But but some, dude, but you some, could do battle bots. That's right. Oh but but some gosh. some of the, some some of them become, are becoming sentient, and so you know you have to. Oh my gosh! Wrestle with the morality of this now and all that kind of thing. I love that man. You could do oh real my... steel Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Rock yes. Sock them robots. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and and throwing it back, I just loved Matt's idea of you know the you know, the the wizard games. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you have two magic users that want to duke it out, maybe magic users are duking it out themselves, throwing, yeah. Yeah. slinging spells at each other and having to, you know, kind of deal with it like a duel. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah, wizards duels, yeah. Yep. Matt, you said something like Scales was a, a common people's game. Yeah. And that made me think of different games for different economic statuses. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, absolutely, yeah. Sure, yeah. Like, I think, you know, and people might correct me if I'm wrong here, but... You know, I'm I'm under the impression that croquet was a very wealthy person's game. Yeah. Uh, same with yeah. Um, polo. Yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say, like polo, like you you wouldn't see like a like a lower class person playing polo. No. But they, like they'd no. be using their horses to farm. They wouldn't be playing right. polo. You know. So uh, yeah. thinking about like different yeah different economic statuses and just different different cultures, different types of people in general, like the different kinds of games they play and what the mm-hmm. differences and similarities are between them, you know? Like a, and it's, a common person would like a game that they can sit down and they can play, like, quickly, easily, while they're sitting there eating a meal or having a drink or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly, because they just spent the entire day on a farm. Like, they're yeah. tired. They're <laughs> yeah, not going to exactly. be running around playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly, yeah. So they're going to play <clears throat> cards or scales, something like that. Yeah. Uh, someone with a little more time or a younger person who's got a little more energy to spare... You know, might be able to do something on horseback or on griffin back or on broomstick yeah. or something like that. Uh, something else to think about too is that you know, it, as we've shown, it can be kind of hard coming up with a any, something entirely new, and and you shouldn't necessarily stress out about it. But you can come up with something that's uh, unique enough. So, like take take a standard deck of cards. You know, we all know the suits, um, and they're they're in some ways derivative from the from the old tarot decks and so forth, and so you could actually just uh, uh, change some of those around, like you know uh, we have the the one of sticks or something like that, or the uh, right um, uh, the ace of wheels, and 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 by 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 changing some of these these things around, adding flavor to them based on the based on the region, even you know um, that can that can just uh, make it strange enough but familiar enough where they can uh, relate to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like love that. that. You know, wheels, wands, stones, and skulls, or something. Right, you know, those right, are the right, four yeah. suits, and it's everyone knows what that is, and everyone knows there's an ace and a king in there. But yeah. you know, just like you said, just changing that small amount makes it completely different. Yeah, in and, and instead of king, you could say emperor, lord, or the lord card. You know, yes, <laughs> so exactly. yeah, the lord and lady card. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I like so, that a lot. Yeah, Duke change a little, change some of yeah. the words. Well, that's like in in D and D. There's there's dragon chess. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's like chess, but it's just a little bit different. The pieces have yeah. different names and look different and stuff like that. Well, and looking to sci-fi, uh, um, an- another uh, classic game from from there is uh, in Star Trek the three D chess board. Yeah, I mean, there exactly. there there are detailed instruct you know 
instructions for that out there that, that you could you could play it. You know, just setting yeah. up a board. Oh my gosh, that would freaking drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, we used just to we used to carry scenes. that at the board game store that I worked at. We had that 3D chess with the three tiers, and it was. Mm-hmm. We tried to figure it out one time, and it was like, nope. <laughs> Can't yeah, do us it. too, and it gathered so much dust because <laughs> yeah. it was so expensive, and no one wanted to risk it. I know, but but you see that that that's a great example of of the game being immersed in the world because they're 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 in, they're in space, and so um, it was kind of like uh, Spock mentioned in the Wrath of Khan, where he said, uh, you know, when he's talking about Khan, and he's like, you know, his pattern indicates two dimensional thinking, you know, because yeah. people people who are, are spacefarers would be have to think three dimensionally. And so yep. that would be the next logical step, pardon the pun, um, in, 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 the, in, the, in the game of chess, you know, because chess was a strategy game, right? So yeah. it was about moving across the board in two dimensions. Well, in space, it's a different issue. So, it, Yeah, it, yeah, that's it, true. It, it makes that's interesting. Sense. Maybe I should watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Does Benedict Cumberbatch play chess in that? I can't really remember. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> That's Do you almost, need me to call the ambulance, oh man, that's, Alex? That's, you yeah. <laughs> Just don't make me remind you of Clooney's Batman, okay? okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Ugh. Uh, actually, you, you're bringing up sci-fi, and that reminded me, if you want to go to the way to the extreme in sports in science fiction, mm-hmm. just Tron. Yeah. yeah. That whole mm-hmm. world is a game. Yeah. Or a multiple, you know, multiple games. Oh, and you could do um, that in fantasy with, like, an extra-dimensional space, you know? Yeah. Um, there, there was a there was a spell um, made for this uh, low budget thing that p- they produced back in the eighties called uh, Tome of Mighty Magic, and and it went up to tw- like twentieth level spells. You know, they they added a whole bunch of new levels to the spells. It was it was it was really extreme, but um, one of them was create plane, and it, and it, it takes it takes like a hundred years to cast, and you create your own plane of existence essentially, and within that you can. You are you are the god of that place, so you can do whatever they, they do whatever you want within it. But you know that made me think of you could have a wizard sport where uh, a wizard creates kind of this extra dimensional space that that he controls entirely, and that you have to you know figure out how to get through that. Oh, I love that. I love that. And uh, you know, and for for this, uh, you know, we'll say wizard or deity or whoever mm-hmm. whoever's controlling the extra yeah. dimensional space. You know they're they're in charge, and you know this whole thing is for their entertainment. So right. you know you you have to do this stuff, and it's almost like you got to play the game in order to you know get through the the encounter, the the mission. Yep. And uh, that'd be a cool thing to do in a D and D game that I've never seen done. Yep. I think it might be cool for us to go around and do kind of some multiple ideas you can steal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the first person, like there are three of us. The first person come up with an environment. The second person come up with a type of sport or game that's played in this area. And the third person kick it up a notch. Like your job is to either say, yep, that's perfect. Or say, you know what? We're going to do it on broomsticks or something like that. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The environment will be um, a jungle environment, sort of tropical, uh, very Mm -hmm. hot and humid. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, absolutely jump on the trope wagon here and say that this uh, sport is played in the canopy of the forest um, and it, it is, you know, it, the players are running along branches swinging on vines uh, but the rule is you cannot touch the ground uh, or breach the top of the canopy. You know, you cannot uh, reach the sun or the floor. 
uh, perhaps even the the game is called Twilight or something. Oh man, that's probably a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's called uh, uh, Dusk or something. Mm -hmm. You know, some some sort of word that means in between two extremes. Mm -hmm. And uh, and but what are they carrying? What are they trying to do? Alex, this this game evolved originally because they're. Either they do, or their ancestors uh, would would harvest um, uh, the special fruit up at the top, up near the top of the canopy. The problem is that there are these predators that uh, that feed around dusk when these when these have to be harvested, and so that these uh, these predators come circle down and pick up you know creatures that live in the upper canopies. And of course, if uh, a, you know a, one of these people happens to be up there, they'll get snatched. So that's how that's how, that's how the game evolved. And so what they have to do is they have to go, they have to carry this basket. Uh, over their shoulders, and so as they go along, they have to collect a certain number of, uh, uh, you know, as many of these uh, these fruits as they can, and that's part of what decides the winner, not just who comes in first or uh, makes it back alive. That's oh, awesome. awesome! I love so that. So this is like this is a game for survival. This is yeah. not a game yeah. for fun. Yeah. Well, and it serves <laughs> no. multiple purposes too, because it's you know providing food and yeah, that's really cool. I mm-hmm. like it for sure. I like that a lot. All right, I'm gonna roll again here. Same numbers. <clears throat> That's a two, so that's Barker. Okay, so I'm going to say that uh, the environment for this sport will be on a mountainside. Um, I'm going to say that, uh, uh, that that they have these uh, ritual boulders, and these these boulders are are carved almost you know perfectly smooth and round, and um, the, uh, uh, the 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 people the participants in this sport uh, have to uh, have to get them to the top of of this uh, this you know stone incline and they they have they have uh uh say teams of of six each that that have that have to do this so i'm thinking that they need special special gloves to do this special almost like gauntlets and i think that it's part of like a almost like a rite of passage for the people in this area to Mm. uh make their own gauntlets maybe growing up they inherit some gauntlets you know some gauntlets that don't fit their older brother or sister or their father anymore and so they wear these these special gauntlets and i think they're made out of the scales of the mountain drakes that call these mountains home and they're specifically designed to uh, protect your hand against uh, scrapes and Mm. cuts and things like that from these from these uh boulders and clambering up these rocks and things like that so i think that at some point At some point in your tenure, you have to uh, hunt and find one of these drakes and use its hide to make your your make gauntlets your for the game. Yeah, yeah make your That's gloves awesome. for the game. Nice for the reckoning. Want to do one more? Yeah, yeah. Let's get, let's keep it up if if you guys want to. Yep. I mean, I, yeah, uh, sure. we can do all types of different games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a one. So that's you again, Barker. Okay, uh, I'm going to say that this game takes place uh, inside of. Indoors, it's it's on a board. That's what we'll say. It's played on a board. It's a common tavern tavern game. So, it's a game played in a tavern. I think that this is a game called Tankard, and usually, what you bet is a drink. It's customary for uh, the win- the loser to buy the winner a tankard of ale. The pieces are uh, old keg taps uh, on this board. Uh, and so it's made using these old keg taps, and uh, the general idea is you're trying to get one of these keg taps over to the other side of the board uh, 
while your opponent is trying to uh, stop you from getting your keg tap over to the other side of the board. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm gonna say that this uh, that the board itself is uh, isn't 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 typically isn't uh, typically square, but it's a circle, and that uh, it, it you have to kind of go through this labyrinth um, to to get to the other side of the board each way, um, and uh, let's see, we need a something something unique to this. Um, maybe how, uh, maybe oh. the board maybe there's a move where the board can be rotated. So right. you might not, yeah, yeah, you, be, you might idea. be close to the other side and then yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. bloop, nope. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, so that, that, I like that. That's so the board can be, uh, can be rotated under the right circumstances. What would those be? Maybe they have, um, you could tie it to, uh, like a, maybe a the drinking board. game of some sort where, uh, if you manage to finish mm-hmm. your drink before the other person, you get to spin the board <laughs> or something like that. Uh, maybe well, I was thinking maybe it might be timed, you know, at, when the uh, hourglass like hour yeah. spins. Yeah, yeah, then it flips, and so you have to make sure that you're in an advantageous position for when the board flips. Uh, nice. If it yeah, flips, yeah. because it's possible to to win the game before the timer runs out, so you have to right. kind of decide: Am I going to try and rush to the other side of the board, or am I going to try and set myself up so when the board flips, I'm in a better position? Nice. And the kids who don't drink alcohol call it lazy Susan. <laughs> I like it. I was gonna say the board's just sitting on a lazy yeah. season. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, so I think <laughs> nice. we should make one more that's very similar to like a sport that we might see on TV nowadays. Okay, okay. kind of like a team sport, a field sport, or you know, the something use, like the that. You see on TV nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> that that we might that <laughs> I pay attention to on TV nowadays. That you people on Earth play, yes. Yeah. Yes, that we people on Earth play. <laughs> so I rolled a uh, six. So that's me. I'm going to say that the environment for this sport is water. It's played in the water. Um, I think that it's an island sport, and they uh, there's a specific little lagoon where they go to play this in this pool of water with a waterfall coming down into it. Okay, cool. I'm going to say that this game is, this sport, is uh, involves boats of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, canoes, perhaps, like... Um, single person or maybe two person canoes. Um, one person is rowing and the other person is standing, clutching uh, some sort of maybe ball or frisbee type device. And the goal is always to get the the the, the item through the waterfall to score a point. Very cool. And uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's magically like if the game is magical or not, but yeah, something like. Uh, one like half court basketball or something, but in in canoes. I like that. All right, yeah. So these, uh, I'm gonna say these these uh, uh, that uh, these things that they have to throw are are uh, are sharpened, um, and that beyond the waterfall, there's a a kind of a kind of target that they have to hit, and that the waterfall itself, um, uh. It it, it uh, through the strange uh, shape of the rocks, uh, the water can tend to tend to shift one way or the other, um, and so uh, during very short periods, you can kind of glimpse the uh, the target behind, and yeah. so it's it's uh, part part of it is is getting it to strike and stick into that uh, the target beyond. That's a great idea. Maybe like uh, it. maybe they're archers. Or something. I don't oh, know. That have cool. to that have yeah. to capture the arrow or intercept it. I don't know. That's pro- that's that's difficult to comprehend. But I'm sure it can be done. But maybe there might be like three targets. Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, large for one point, medium for two points, small for three points or five points or something. Yeah. Well, if you well if you had small fast boats, like so, if they you know, uh, if they were just you know were able to move fast enough, you could even have. Um, you know, with offensive and defensive sides where the, the defensive ones might have nets that they could throw out to block uh, things coming in, that kind of... Yeah, like different yeah. positions maybe you'll have, uh, you know, if there are three three members on or three boats on each side, you know, one is a mm-hmm. defender with their net that can catch the arrows, the other is a, an attacker who's got to, you know, receive the arrows from the defender and fire it at the targets, uh, and or maybe the maybe there are two attackers or something like that. Oh, yeah. and you know, it, it, this could be a good history part to it too. The, these, this this is actually a merging of two tribes: one from, uh, one from the one from the center of the island, and one from the coast. The coast were the fishermen, so they they were the ones with the nets, and then the ones from inland, they had these weapons that they could hunt with. And so they were driven together by uh, by, a, by a past event, perhaps in a, a volcanic eruption. And when they merged, they so they, they to get their people to work together, they they get, they created this game that uses both of their best skills. Cool guys, uh, let's take a question from the listeners. Yeah. Yes, this was just posted today, so there are only four questions. <laughs> and the number one question is from Jacob N from Mini Terrain Domain, and his question is, "How do you sports?" <laughs> <laughs> you see what I have to go through? Do you see it? Do you see it? Uh, uh, I try not if to. If I made fun of gaming like that, I'd be a huge dick. But no, it's okay because it's sports. Um, oh man, what's the what's the next most upvoted question? Uh, have you ever have you guys ever made a game for a campaign that your players wanted to keep playing after the campaign? I think the answer is no for me. No, on, I don't, on yeah, all I, fronts I, for me. I don't. I don't think so. Unless you count the one, there was a a game that Rob ran uh, for a bunch of us where we played uh, role players who got sucked into our role playing world, and we had to play these these characters in the role playing world. So we were role oh, players cool. in the role playing world. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> it, well, it, I think it, there's another. You know, oh, go ahead. No, it was it was, it was, it was really very cool because the. Uh, uh, you know, we were all playing just these 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 young guys who play D anD D, and now we're in in an actual D anD D world. But the GM who created this world is, was terrible, so you had all these horrible like cliches and tropes and things like that. Oh, and, that's so awesome! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was hysterical. And then my character was a fighter who became a fighter in the game, and then you know trying to figure out. So I was trying to think in real life, you know, what don't we think about in the game? And so he's like, "Oh man, I got to go to the bathroom." Hey, does anyone know how to get this armor off? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Uh, the one thing I was going to mention is that, you know, D&D has a card game called Three Dragon Ante. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could play that in-game yeah. or out of game. So I yeah. think that, you know, there are, there are options, and I'm sure if you yeah. get online, you can find some games. I've never played Three yeah. Dragon Ante myself, but, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of options to, uh, uh, to not only, mm-hmm. you know, infuse your game with some creative life but yep. also to you know play a game on those days where you know you want to take a, yeah. a day off from the rpg or something yeah no for sure there's something else f- i want to oh sorry go ahead alex no i was gonna say something else i recommend is uh uh i know there are books out but i'm sure you can find a lot online just you know do doing google searches for um you know old games just games that are used by different cultures the outdated games games they used to play in the you know 1500s whatever there's there's all kinds of things out there that we just don't play anymore and so mm-hmm. there's plenty of inspiration just floating around out there um i'm i'm 
saying this to myself as much as everyone else because I need to do it too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's this episode for me. That's this podcast yeah. for me is, you know, saying, giving advice because I need to take it. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's actually, it's funny that now that I'm thinking about it, I realize that at one point in a D&D game, uh, I used a board game that I owned called uh, Corridor, which is a, oh, a game yeah. where you place walls to try and mm-hmm. block your opponent. Um, it's a really kind of cool game, and it's it's all wood pieces, and so I thought it would be a mm-hmm. cool thing to have like as a tavern game in a D and D game where yep. it's like, oh, and you see this you know this game sitting out on the table, and there's a guy sitting behind it, and he you know he wants to put down some money to play this game. Yeah, and uh, it's actually a game that we played outside of the game too, Corridor, and so mm-hmm. that's an example of like I brought a game from the real world that kind of worked in a fantasy mm-hmm. setting where it was like, yep. I could see people sitting in a tavern playing this game. Uh, yeah. And it actually worked out pretty well. So, Yeah, we actually have that that's game. Awesome. And I think that uh, it's it's probably a short enough game where that's when you could actually do in person. Like if you, yeah. if you were, if, if one of the players were betting, you know, money on winning or losing or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's something you could actually do and role play during it. Exactly, because you know? it's, it's it's a great opportunity to role play your character in a situation that they wouldn't normally be in, yeah. where it's like, you, you know, you have about 10 yeah. minutes to play this game, and it's just a really cool way to be like, I'm playing a character playing a game. Like, what would my yeah. how would my character react to this person, and what would they say when they're playing the game and stuff like right. that? So, yeah, for sure. It's a cool way to win some gold and have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Game. Yeah, there's actually a, <laughs> another game uh, made by that same company called Corto that is really good for that sort of thing too, where it's a it's a stacking game where you can uh, you have mm-hmm. different shapes of pieces and they stack onto each other in different configurations and stuff. Yep. But. Well, cool. Uh, before we go, I just want to give a shout out to everybody and let them know that we're going to be doing something a little bit special uh, in the near future. We, uh, a while back, we decided to have a special live session where Alex ran a game, actually a two-part game mm-hmm. uh, for Matt and I and Rob, the Swamper, uh, a Cthulhu game. And for our 50th episode, this is our... This our 48th for our 50th episode. We're going to do another live game that I'm actually going to run or mm-hmm. at least host because it's a different type of game. <laughs> it's called microscope and it's a game about world building and it's very interesting and I'm still learning about it. But one thing that we're going to do is we're going to hold a contest and give away two free copies of the PDF of microscope, uh, probably from drive through RPG. Now yeah. I'm not sure what the contest is going to be. We haven't really discussed any of the specifics. We're not sure when this is going to happen yet. Uh, but by episode 49, uh, next week, probably, uh, you will <laughs> have, uh, you will have more information as to when this is going to happen, how to enter and you know, how to watch live. Cause that's probably yep. going to be it. It's probably <clears throat> going to be watch live to get the prize type of thing. Yeah. So, um, I'm really excited for it. Just Me reading too. this book. Yep. Oh man. Oh, I'm so pumped. So, um, <laughs> either way, uh, keep track of what we're doing on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash roll up and die. We'll keep you all posted there as well. So, uh, either way, thank you everyone for jumping in to this podcast and listening to this episode about games and sports, despite the fact that you probably wanted to die the entire time. You nerds. Uh, my <laughs> name is Barker. <laughs> And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And you've been listening to Roll Up and Die. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die, guys, okay? (laughs) 
This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on DriveThru RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.